It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Fox News Podcasts presents the Brett Bear Podcast. Common ground. There are a number of senators on the Republican side that continue to want to find common ground. We emphasize the conflict and, and controversy sells. And I think it's a problem because most Americans look at Washington and see something that's broken. Why don't we look for ways that we celebrate what this country is capable of doing? It's amazing what you can do when you get off social media and you start talking, communicating with one another because there is common ground. With Fox News chief political anchor Brett Baer. It is time now for our Common Ground segment. Joining us tonight, Texas Republican Congressman Michael McCall and New York Democratic Congressman Gregory Meeks, the chair and vice chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Just coming out of this G7 meeting, Congressman Meeks, first to you. uh, Your thoughts about, you know, there's a lot of focus on China, the expansion of China, what they're doing, uh, and also obviously Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, no, I thought it was a very good and important meeting. You know, at separate times, Mike and I visited the region. Uh, and I think that uh, when you look at those in the Indo-Pacific and in the region and dealing, they're concerned about the cohesive nature of China holding ec- their economic uh, values against them and want to make sure that we're working together. So working together with our G7 allies to make sure that we're reassuring our Indo-Pacific uh, uh, allies that we're working together to make sure that they will not have to worry about us moving anywhere else but standing with them to prevent China from using its prohibitive type of coercive uh, power against them was tremendously important. There was one thing the president said, Congressman Call, that uh, raised my eyebrows and it was trying to interpret what he said and meant. Here, here it is about a thaw. We should have an open hotline. At the Bali conference, that's what the president, she and I agreed we were going to do and meet on. And then this silly balloon that was carrying two freight cars worth of spine equipment was flying over the United States and it got shot down and uh, everything changed um, in terms of talking to one another. I think you're going to see that begin to thaw very shortly. Obviously, the silly balloon was the spy balloon. Um, and he said, I think you're going to see things thaw very shortly. Uh, just your reaction to that. Well, it wasn't a silly balloon. It was a spy balloon. It went over three of our nuclear sites in the United States. But having said that, uh, I, don't, I don't think our relationship is thawing. However, I do agree there should be a hotline. Um, you know, I remember uh, you know, John Kennedy had a hotline with uh, Khrushchev. Uh, that avoided the Cuban Missile Crisis. I think it's important that world leaders have that kind of communication and not uh, discommunication. I think Chairman Xi has, uh, had shut down all communications, even with the Secretary of State, and I think that's an important uh, you know, thing to have. I, I think the G7 was successful in the sense of dealing with economic coercion. Chairman Xi said, I want all countries dependent on my supply chain so that when appropriate, I can cut them off. Very important, and I think with the Ukraine, we had great progress with the F-16s. I was very glad to see that approved. Now we just have to train the pilots. So speaking of that, uh, Brigadier General Pat Ryder on the F-16, and that is a change of U.S. policy. The security assistance that we're providing them is for them to use inside Ukraine uh, as part of their efforts to defend their country and their sovereignty. F-16s for Ukraine is about the long-term 
commitment to Ukraine. Uh, these F-16s will not be relevant to the upcoming counteroffensive. Congressman Meeks, that is a shift and where this administration has been. And for the people who look at this and say it worries them, that it is kind of crawling towards a bigger U.S. presence uh, or somehow a U.S. involvement in Ukraine. What do you say to them? You no. guys are on the same yeah. page. No, I, I think that what we've always said is that we were going to give the Ukrainians what they need to defend their sovereignty. Uh, and that's exactly what uh, the general was talking about and why I think it was important to have that agreement at the G7 with all of our NATO and all of our allies in the other G7 countries, saying that we're going to train them together. Uh, we'll supply the F-16s together. Uh, we'll work together so that, because the message here is we cannot allow someone to invade a sovereign nation. We thought those days was over back in the 30s. And what has taken place here is we've got to send that strong message that we're going to stand together and we're not going to allow uh, Russia to invade the sovereign nation or take the property therein. And we're going to do what we need to collectively to give to Ukraine what they need to protect themselves. You all work on a number of different things together. You travel together, right? I mean, you for people who say there's this huge split, you're working side by side on a number of different things. You have differences, right? You know, and, and what we... Uh we agree to disagree when we disagree, but we do it civilly. We don't have to do it with a vitriolic rhetoric, toxic rhetoric. You know, we probably agree on 80% of the foreign policy, 20% maybe not. But when we don't agree, we, we do it in a very civil tone. I think that's important. Our committee has always been like that, Foreign Affairs Committee. Partisanship stops at the water's edge. Uh, and we think that and when you travel abroad, you're not Republican or Democrat. You're an American first and that's how the other countries see us and we try to present a united front with a united voice uh, as americans you agree with that yeah no i agree 100 uh, percent and and you know what and i think that uh, the fact that we do talk you know um chairman mccall gives me all the respect in the world just as i gave him that's mutual and you know this thing that some of the public thinks about that because you're in a different party that you've got horns or something is wrong with you or you know you don't ever agree on anything is sh should not be we could not get what makes the united states i believe the greatest government and the greatest country in the history of this uh earth is how we have our democracy. Democracy means that you don't agree all the time and you're able to debate in a civil manner what your disagreements are and then work it out uh, and then come to a conclusion that's the benefit of the entire country. And I think that's what we try to do. I mean, that's literally how we started this thing. And it has just kept on rolling and more and more of the pairs of, of Democrats, Republicans coming back here to talk about how they're working together. Let me end on this, and maybe there is a little split here on this debt ceiling increase. The negotiations are still going on. A lot of people say, usually the fiscal cliff, we get to it and you guys figure it out. But the logistics are starting to get a little tough here as far as actually physically getting it done. Yeah, I, I would agree. I was with the speaker at lunchtime. I think we've made a lot of progress since the weekend. Um, one thing most of us agree in a bipartisan way is that to default on our full faith and credit is not a really smart idea. It's going to send our financial markets into a tailspin. And while you can say that bravado type, type of rhetoric, it's not going to be good for our economy uh, or, or world markets. And so, I, you know, we want to work together, I think, at, at the staff level. And I know Speaker McCarthy had a one-on-one -on -one with the president. 
Um, I think, you know, you, you lock them up in the room till June 1st, get something done. I, you know, Biden used to negotiate these things, you know, for the Democrats with the Republicans in the past. And I think we can get there. We just need to if we're going to raise the debt ceiling, what we want are meaningful spending cuts in exchange for that. Right. Congressman Meeks, how do you see it? I mean, logistically, can you just get it done? Even if you agree today, can you get make the deadline? Well, I truly hope so, because just as uh, Mike said, we've got to get it done. The full faith and credit of the United States is on the line. I don't think there's any disagreement with that. Defaulting on our debt should not and cannot happen. So we must get it done. And we must tell our colleagues, you know, who may want specific things that we've got to compromise. Uh, and I think that uh, that's what you see taking place right now. At least I hope that's what's taking place within the discussions between the president and the speaker. And that then each side, uh, when the president uh, comes up and the speaker agrees, that each side, uh, when, the, when the speaker comes to his conference, they would agree with the speaker that he's negotiated a deal. Likewise, uh, when uh, Leah Jeffries figures out and talks to the, the president, finish, he comes talk to our side. And we then come together. Everybody may not get everything that they want, but what we do know, we cannot allow the full faith and credit of the United States to fail. We'll continue right after this. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We don't cover it every day, but obviously things are happening in Syria. U.S. policy, sometimes a little murky when it comes to that place. Where do you see Syria? Uh, it, you know, Syria has always been um, in, in disarray. It's very confusing foreign policy-wise. Uh, we've made mistakes. Uh, but Assad has been a, a monster of a dictator. And since 2012, he's killed 500,000 of his own people. And so... We passed a uh, bill today, or actually last week, that uh, condemns Assad for these actions, these human rights abuses, and, and sanctions him. Now, you know, the Arab nations, Arab League of Nations now have um, brought him into the family, so to speak, which is a very extraordinary uh, step forward. But it, it is a very difficult foreign policy. He, he's not going anywhere. Um, and I know, I remember back when John McCain was trying to get Assad out of power. Uh, and it didn't work. So we, that policy still lingers and we have to deal with it. Congressman Meeks, uh, you know, it's Republicans and Democrats have had missteps, missteps when it comes to Syria. Um, President Obama did say, you know, Assad's days are numbered. We just didn't know the number was whatever, 2003. You know, it's, it's still ticking mm -hmm. today. How do you see it? Well, look, time could not elapse or erase the horrific acts that Assad has done to his own people. Those things are still imminently clear in my head. And you do not allow the time just to say, well, time has gone by, so now we're going to welcome him back into the Arab world or any world of, of, in that regard and not hold him accountable. These are things that I believe about Putin. When this is over, he's got to be held accountable. And Assad has to be accountable for his criminal acts of killing his own people and using chemical weapons. Those, that is clear. 
And so I can't accept him, nor do I think that the Arab League or anyone else should accept him. He's got to stand and be held accountable for his actions. And the other thing I think is important is dynamic. Russia and Iran have tremendous influence uh, over Assad. Um, so it was very extraordinary to see the Arab nations. I think they're just trying to make peace with him. But know the driving forces here geopolitically are Russia and Iran and Assad because Russia and Iran want access to the Mediterranean and they want to control Syria. There's a common theme here, both in Ukraine and elsewhere. The U.S. population really doesn't want to get involved in another war. We just don't after Iraq and Afghanistan. Is it fair to say that? They do not. Uh, I think I, I see Ukraine and, and say Taiwan differently, though, because largest invasion in Europe since World War Two, largest threat to the Pacific since World War Two. My dad was a World War Two veteran. They liberated the Atlantic and the Pacific. Uh, if we allow these two dictators, along with Ayatollah and North Korea, to go back and change the maps and defy sovereignty uh, and the war crimes that we've uh, exposed uh, going on in Ukraine, horrific. Horrific war crimes. I was in Bucha at the mass gravesite. The uh, indoctrination of 20,000 children from Ukraine into Russia, Russian indoctrination camps, uh, uh, really awful stuff. But I think the ramifications are far bigger than, say, Syria. I, I would say the global balance of power is at stake when it comes to uh, Ukraine and Europe and Taiwan in the Pacific. So we, as a country, have to balance where we step out, where we kind of play right because it's important because if you allow one brutal dictator to go unchecked then you allow another so it could happen on a continuous basis and then sooner or later could start hitting you at home also so it is about the world coming together and that's why it's important for us to be in lockstep with our allies those that have the same beliefs uh, that we have those that have the same uh, common uh, ideas of democracy stick together so that we can begin to isolate uh, the, uh, the, the dictators who kill their own people and commit war crimes uh, and uh, then uh, make sure that we prevent it from happening in the future, which ultimately makes us in America a safer country and democracy gets to be promoted and moved around the world. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.